Thanks for tuning in to Leesburg Daily, a Monday through Friday podcast where we dive into scripture, study it together, and apply it to our lives. Boy, oh boy, do we have a, a doozy of a passage today. We're in John chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 18 through the end of the chapter, um, and we are talking about a passage that has just hit me like a, a ton of bricks uh, reading through it this morning because it has so much application for our world today. So I'm excited to dive in that into that this morning. Uh, I will apologize to you. I am a, a tad late today, so you might be listening to this on a Friday um, instead of Thursday. Uh, my apologies for the tardiness here. Um, let's dive in and see what this word has for us today. This is going to be a good one. We pick up and we recall that um, Jesus is... Uh, has left the 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 upper room where they had the last supper and he's on his way to the the mount of olives and as they walk i picture jesus sharing these things with his disciples and he just talked to them about uh about abiding in him um abiding in him he's the vine and they're the branches and now we pick up um in verse 18 and Jesus says to his disciples, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. Here we see Jesus begin. Uh, his, his last words before that was, As I commanded you, love one another. And now he transitions and he's setting up his disciples to understand that there's going to be opposition. He, he says, If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. I mean, that's just a, 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 a pretty striking thing. There's going to be some people who are antagonistic against you. So, so in this context, who is the world? Uh, well, in this context, the world stands for those who stand against Jesus. That's primarily the Jewish leadership. And not all the Jews, but those who are antagonistic toward him. Uh, just as... Not all Jews after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection will be antagonistic. In fact, many will convert. Um, but Jesus says, just, just know this. The reasons for the world's hatred is because it hated me. And then he says this in verse 19. He says, if you, are, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Why does the world hate you? It's because you don't go along with the world. You live differently. You think differently. You behave differently. You see things differently. And that's the reason for the hatred. Now, let me just pause and say, if, if, if we can't see a very quick and easy parallel today, we're probably not paying much attention. Now, that being said, I'm one of the first to say we are not persecuted today in America as Christ followers. We don't face persecution like the rest of the world faces persecution. Sure, they might call us names. They might say silly things about us. The, the world, those antagonistic against Christ in, in America, they, they may, I don't know, make fun of or whatever. But I, I, I have a hard time saying that we're persecuted today because uh, we're relatively free to do whatever we want, as opposed to many parts of our world where Christians are actively persecuted and killed on a on a daily basis around our globe. 
so I'm careful to say that we are not persecuted. However, it's clear to see that our culture in North America is shifting so rapidly. If you are not part of the world, you are hated. If you're not part of the the woke mob, the 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 popular uh, religion of the day, then you are the enemy, and you are to be hated. We see this very easily. I mean, very simply, if you say a man is a man and a woman is a woman, and and they are two different things, then you are an antagonistic bad guy in our world today. You're you're labeled things like. Well, some type of a phobe. I don't know which transphobe, I guess, or a, I don't know what the phobe they would throw out. It's pretty clear to see how this applies today. Verse 20, Jesus goes on, he says, Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would keep yours also. Jesus says here, he says, look, if they were persecuting me, they're going to persecute you also. Now, again, I'm quick to say that we are not persecuted in that sense today. Uh, But it very well could be that that is on the horizon. It very well could be that Christians are persecuted against in the future because we stand up for things like God's definition of marriage. Marriage is between one man and one woman for life. While not always practiced perfectly within the church, that's God's design. And so to stand up against uh, any other interpretation of what marriage is uh, could be grounds for persecution. Or because we believe that God has an order and a plan for sex and we're not just sexual beings, we're created with sexual inclinations, we're created with uh, uh, sex at, to, to be used um, not only for procreation but also for pleasure. But that is always within the context of a of a man and a woman in a lifelong committed marriage relationship. And so, for a Christian to take that stance today, well, you're going to be potentially persecuted against. The, the day could be in, on the horizon where the government says, uh, Pastor, you must perform this wedding. And on that day, uh, many a pastor will have to choose on which line do, that, do, do they stand on. A line is being drawn in the sand in America today. And it would be wise for us to choose now which side we fall on. Not only for our congregants' sake, but also for our sake, as we practice those spiritual muscles that give us the uh, uh, the repetitions necessary, the muscle memory necessary, to make the stand when the time gets tough. I'm very outspoken now because when it is hard for me to speak, I want to have that muscle memory available. Jesus says, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. Uh, But if they kept my word, they will keep yours as well. Not everyone will be antagonistic, he tells them. But all these things, in verse 21, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. They'll do all these things for my name's sake. 
They'll treat you this way because of me. It's because they've identified themselves with Jesus, that they're leaders, uh, or they've identified themselves with Jesus instead of their leaders, that the disciples might become objects of persecution. Well, man, woman who are listening to this, uh, how do you identify yourselves? Do you identify yourselves as a Christian, a Christ follower first, and an American second? Because it very well could be that the, the status of America is changing in the days, weeks, months ahead. Will you identify yourselves as a Christ follower first, regardless of what American law begins to dictate? You might become an object of persecution. The ultimate reason, however, for that persecution, Jesus says, is because they don't know the one who sent him. That's God the Father. Even though the persecutors uh, would think that they're serving God by their service of persecuting believers. I mean, think of Paul in the early chapters of Acts. Formerly Saul, he thought he was serving God by persecuting the church. Instead, they're, 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 uh, Jesus is insistent that people like Saul at that point did not really know God at all while they thought they did. They they thought they knew God, but they really didn't know God. Well, how do we get to know God? Again and again, I urge you to be people of the word, to be people who stand underneath the authority of the word. That's how we get to know Jesus. That's how we get to know God. It's, it's not by looking at the world and uh, thinking for oneself what is what seems right, what, 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 what feels right. That will always lead us astray. The, the book of Judges tells us throughout the constant refrain is, in, in those days there were no judges and people um, uh, did what was right in their own eyes. I guess that's the end of Judges. Where he says, there's, there's no judges. And people that, whatever they thought was right, well, what happened there? Go back and look at Judges, what is it, Judges uh, 25? Where the woman is is, is is raped and cut into pieces and sent sent out to the different tribes. It's a, it, we, we will never find what is right by looking through our own eyes. We cannot be an effective moral compass. Instead, we have to rely on the creator who created the compass. And for the Christ follower, we've got to think of maybe perhaps a step beyond. You know, growing up, I always heard, uh, and you've heard as well, don't use the name of the Lord in vain. And for so often, uh, we equate that to simply using God's name flippantly. For example, to say, oh my God. To use God's name flippantly, we've always equated to using God's name in vain. However, there's much more grievous offense. And that offense is carrying the name of Christian, of Christ follower. And yet, teaching against the teachings of the Father. For example, using God's or using God's name or using God or Christianity or, or religion 
as a way to manipulate people and advance your own personal agenda, that too is using God's name in vain. I mean, consider for just a second. The, the Hebrew more accurately translates to do not bear the name of God in vain. You know, we're all image bearers of God, but those of us who choose to bear his image, uh, his name, uh, through the acceptance of Christ, are held to a much higher standard. Because, as Jesus will go on to say, it's because we know. To bear it in vain is to use his name for our own self and not for his, his kingdom. Look at what Jesus says in verse 20. Um, 20, 22. Uh, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Jesus says, because they, they have heard my testimony, because I've spoken to them, they've heard the word, they're rejecting it. So now they are guilty of that. Verse 23, he who hates me hates my father as well. Jesus explained that this ignorance was was culpable. If he had not come into the world and spoken God's words to that God gave him to speak, the people would not be guilty of rejecting this revelation, uh, but because he has spoken God's words. And yet the majority of the Jewish leaders have rejected his testimony. They have no excuse for their sin. Jesus rejected his opponents claim that they were true worshipers of God who opposed Jesus because of their their faithfulness to God. Jesus says, he who hates me hates my father as well. They could not claim to love God while hating Jesus. And so those who, who hate Jesus hate the father as well because Jesus and the father are one. And then Jesus expands the reasons for the guilt of his opponents or or the world in this passage. If I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. It it, it was not only what he said, but it was also the works and the miracles that Jesus had performed that, that constituted, that showed his revelation that he was from God, but his opponents still rejected these miracles were the works that the Father had given him to do. And his opponents had seen those works, but because of their own privileged position, uh, and, and that was threatened, they've rejected the revelation offered to them through these works and plotted to kill Jesus. But Jesus says, but, but now they have seen these miracles, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. Though Jesus' opponents had seen his miracles... They still rejected his claims and hated him. Because Jesus and the Father are one, they both hate Jesus and they hate God as well. And their hatred comes as no true surprise to Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, but this is to fulfill, in verse 25, this is to fulfill what's written in their law. They hated me without reason. The law here simply refers to the the whole of the Old Testament. Look at verse 26. When the helper comes, again, we have this illusion or this picture of the comforter, the helper, the Holy Spirit coming, 
whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. Jesus says the Holy Spirit's going to come, and, and this Spirit of truth will testify to you about me. This Spirit will recall the things that I've said. It will remind you. It will connect the dots that might be missing. And then verse 27, I think this one's very interesting. Verse 27, the, the, you will also testify because you've been with me from the beginning. The counselor's testimony would be given alongside the testimony of the disciples. So the counselor will testify to you and testify to the world, but also the testimony of the disciples. Because of the statement of the counselor's testimony and the disciples' testimony, how they are aligned together, it's it's possible that the counselor's testimony is to be understood as effective witness through the disciples. And so while the NIV translates the first clause in the sentence as an imperative, and you must also testify, it it is in fact, uh, it's an indicative statement. And you also bear witness. You are the witnesses. It's an imperative it's not telling you to, to um, uh, I'm sorry, it's an indicative. It's not telling you to do something. It's telling you what's already been done or you will be. The basis of the disciples' witness is, is their own experience through Jesus through the, from, from the beginning. And so, and so this passage gives us a lot to chew on today. We see, if we work backward, we see that those who have the Spirit... Um, we receive a testimony inside the Holy Spirit urges and prompts us to to navigate these waters through life we also see that we have a responsibility to testify to truth one of the points that I I perhaps forgot to make earlier is this idea that starts off this passage from the day if the world hates you know that it's hated me before you If you were of the world, the world would love its own. But because you're not of the world, because I called you out of this world, because of this, the world hates you. You know, Christian, the temptation in that, understanding that our culture today, let's just think about today for just a moment, our culture today really does not like the Christian doctrine, the Christian worldview. It could be said that the world is growing in hate toward Christianity. The world does hate you. And and the temptation for the Christ follower is to uh, pull away from the world and create a little Christian ghetto of sorts where we stay in our bubble to our own. And while that's understandably appealing, we must be careful not to do that. I know for many people today, many Christian uh, uh, friends of mine have chosen, uh, for example, to withdraw from social media because of the amount of hatred and nonsense that they see on it. And, that, and that's a conviction that everyone's got to 
hold to their own. But let me just ask, what happens if all the Christians, all the true Christ followers, who do not bear God's name in vain, what happens if they all leave? What happens if there's no light in that dark place? No voice of truth in a world of disagreement. My deep conviction has been to stay engaged and active on uh, social media. While I'm not a huge social media guy, to stay engaged and involved for that reason. The world hates us. We we understand that our our doctrine, our worldview, is much different from the popular secular agenda today. But we must, as he. He starts off with the idea in this passage of the world hating you because of me. Uh, but in verse 27, he ends with the idea of, of Jesus' people being a testimony to the world. And so, let me ask you, how's your testimony? How's your testimony when people not only hear your words but see your life? How is your testimony? I want to say thank you for joining me today. Uh, join me again tomorrow in, uh, uh, as we dive into chapter 16. Uh, God bless. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to the Leesburg Daily.